0: Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Opera After Dark.
1: Boobs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was, it, was that random or does that have anything to do with the episode that we we're recording? It
1: is thematically appropriate to the episode that we're about to talk about.
0: We're about to talk about boobs?
1: We're going to talk about
0: boobs. You guys didn't Kyle's tell me that Day we're talking about Boobs. <laughs>
1: Kyle, it's always better if you don't know what we're doing.
0: <laughs> That's true. I would have had way more time to be really immature if I knew that we were talking about boobs. Exactly. Fair
1: enough. Today's episode. Today's episode is all about Mamelis de Triesias. which is an opera by Poulenc, and what does that translate to?
2: The boobs of Triesias. What? Boobs. I think oh, it's yeah. Les Mamales de Triesias. So I forgot the article. It's breasts, Can you yes.
1: we're gonna say boobies? Can
0: you imagine if you like now you saw an opera build somewhere and it was like the boobs of something? Like the boobs of Brooklyn opera. <laughs>
2: the boobs of Brooklyn. Okay, so for
1: clarification, Triesias is not a place, it's, it's a, a person. person.
0: Oh, <laughs> See you know where my mind went too.
1: It's the title the title character. But this is one of the rare operas where the title character does not die at the end.
0: Nice. Rare. See, that's even yeah. weirder. So if you sh- saw if you saw an opera that was billed as like the boobs of Sarah.
1: Right? And right. Sarah doesn't die at the end, you'd be disappointed.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just saying at it's an opera specifically about some a, one person's boobs.
1: I think if the opera was called The Breasts of Sarah, you should anticipate that she's not going to die. But if the opera was called Sarah, she's dead. <laughs> she is dead. <laughs> because
0: you can't kill somebody after focusing on their breasts for so long?
1: Well, if it's about like a specific part of her anatomy, that's something different. But if it's just her name or his name, mm-hmm, dead. Don't get attached.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, dead wait, as we've discussed we will flush this out fully sometime with specific examples
1: I feel like it'd be a terrible episode because it'd just be us listing operas <laughs> 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 we'd be like Manon dead Aida, uh, Aida dead Carmen dead Tosca dead um, Traviata dead well that's not, well, that's not her
2: nice. name sort of
0: it's not like her code name hey I
2: know Dead. Now I'm
0: starting that's to true. think of ones that aren't dead, though. Oh, wait. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Rigoletto. Not dead.
1: That's fair. All right. That's okay. an exception to the rule. It's, the opera's not called Gilda. so.
0: <laughs> I'm sure in the early versions, it was called Gilda. Maybe. And they were I like, oh, this is more about- I
1: don't think so. It totally wasn't. Oh, okay.
0: No. Fair enough.
3: All right. She was
2: based on a play, right? It's based on King Lear, essentially. Isn't it? Or that was like its first iteration? May, but it's based on an Italian play. It is based on an Italian play, but it was also like Verdi wanted to write an opera on King Lear, and then he couldn't, so he like found another story that had similar right. themes, based yeah. on a play. Interesting. Yeah,
0: anyway. So how do we how do we end up with an opera that is about boobs? I'm I'm interested okay. to hear how that happens.
2: All right. So Francis Poulenc, Poulenc, Poulenc. French composer. Born in 1899, died nice. in 1963, so he, you know, was raised in a great family, his childhood was a happy one, his family was stable, rare. all this kind of thing. Very, I feel like that's yeah. very
1: rare. <laughs>
2: very rare for a composer. Trey Bizarre. Um, And he essentially got really interested in, like, the surrealist movement and kind of, like, avant-garde art
1: at the time, especially when he was a young
2: man. Mm -hmm. uh, See, I really know
1: Poulenc as um, a composer of art song and not really a composer of opera. Mm -hmm. Right. I know he did Dialogue of the Carmelites, but I know him more as, like, an art song composer. I mean, he's the best.
2: He's not really known as being a huge operatic composer but right. people love dialogue of the carmelites people do love dogs yeah carmelites. but this is actually one of his earlier operas and uh not done very often And you'll probably see why <laughs> when was this written <laughs> uh we'll, we'll get to that we'll okay to that. Isn't, yeah it made its it's made its premiere in 1947 oh okay
0: oh isn't dialogue yeah. of the I'm carmelites concerned. isn't it like a really small cast
2: no, no, it's like a million nuns. A cast. Oh,
0: maybe it's the opposite. Okay, I, I, knew, so it, many, I knew it was so one. So many or,
1: damn nuns. I knew it
0: was one <laughs> or the other, really small or really big.
1: A lot of nuns. A small male cast. I think there's small one male cast. Member. There's like maybe two. Maybe two. The yeah. executioner is, I think, a dude. Right, and then the brother. And then the dude. brother. Yeah. It's like two men and then like a fuck ton of women. So oh, it so should it, be done more.
0: So it sucks, right? Well,
1: the- oh! I mean. Oh, careful there. I think it's amazing that he wrote an opera that has so many opportunities for females to perform because I read this really horrific article about gender disparity in classical music. And like, if you look at conservatories, eighty percent of the students are female and twenty percent of the students are male, and they're just—it's not—it's not not a fair system. But whatever, go on. I was—I mean, also the sad part
0: of—it's clear that I was joking. That's clear. That is clear. Yes. Mm. (laughs) Fair enough, because I wasn't. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, so at least with Dialogue of the Carmelites... Well, the sad thing about Dialogue of the Car- Carmelites is they all get beheaded at the end. Well, I mean, that was the time. I know. I mean, it's the, you know because of the story and all.
1: It's the revolution.
2: Yes. Nice. Okay, back, back to le Mamala's de Triesias. Back, back to the boobs. Back to the I don't the boobs. even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but sounds good. Yeah, it does. I think you're doing great. Okay, so it's based on a play that actually Poulenc saw himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the play is by Guillaume Apollinaire.
1: Oh, that name is familiar. Why is that name
2: familiar? Well, basically, when the play made its premiere, and the play is the same name, um, a lot of really important people were in the audience: Jean Cocteau, mm. Sergei Diaghilev, <gasps> um, Henri Matisse, oh, Pablo nice. Picasso. Dang. Picasso eric sati Sati.
1: who we've talked about oh was he wearing his white suit of course he was probably they didn't have other clothes they were all in the same
0: room at the same time
1: yeah was he eating his what is it cotton salad only white only white food cotton salad Was (laughs) that?
0: fettuccine alfredo
2: basically yeah lots of mozzarella cheese (laughs) hey that sounds so bad right So all of these guys were kind of friends in the same circle, and Poulenc was pretty young at this time, and they all saw this play, and Poulenc basically thought that it would make a really great opera. So he starts, many years later, he decides to turn it into an opera. And it is said that he was immensely amused by the play. It was a pretty, like, satirical thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but at the time, he didn't think he would ever turn it into an opera, but later he comes to this conclusion that it would be... You know, great thing. Huh. Okay. So that's music. Okay, so um, he so he takes the text and he follows it pretty closely, but he does make a few little changes. And actually, the text of the play introduces the word surrealist into the vocabulary. So what? Oh, that's, that's a big damn deal. Oh, and side note about the author of the play, Apollinaire, I read that apparently... When he was a young man in his teenage years, his mother basically abandoned him. And so by the time he was 18, he was, like, totally looking after himself. And he made money by publishing pornographic novels under a pseudonym.
3: Nice.
2: (laughs) We are going to talk about him.
1: We're going to talk about him in another episode. Save it. I have a lot to say about pornographic novels.
0: (laughs) Meaning just that you read them.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean
0: Naomi does too. <laughs> hey, we're putting it out there. Putting it out we are, there.
1: We are in no a romance novel. In the romance club. novel game.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's hilarious. Man, I was even yeah. gonna bring out bring up Outlander, because that essentially is a romance novel, but you you guys sounds like you read like actual romance novels.
2: We yeah. do read actual romance good, novels. Good for yeah. you guys. Yes.
0: Good for you.
1: Yeah. Okay, back
2: to
0: the boob opera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're getting very sidetracked. I had nothing to say. Um, I, I want to know I really want to know more about this this poet, but um let's let's talk about the opera. Okay, so the the curtain
2: rises on a place called Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. Wait, when was when was this opera performed first?
1: Nineteen forty seven. Oh. Where? At the Opera Comique. Okay, in Paris. In Paris. Paris. Wow. All right, so this is like right after the Second World War. Yes. In yeah. Zanzibar. And everybody's like, okay. let's yeah. just
0: talk about some boobs, please.
1: So yeah, apper- anything, yeah. Apparently,
2: Poulenc, like, worked on this throughout the war years, but it didn't make its premiere until after the war, obviously. Right. Right, so, okay, he sets the whole thing in Zanzibar, which apparently Poulenc went on record saying that even though it's, like, somewhat fictitious, he... In his mind, imagine Monte Carlo (laughs) as...
1: (laughs) He he couldn't just say Monte Carlo? I don't don't know exactly. It's a little bit... um... (gasps) Oh, my God. Before we talk about the plot of this opera, let's listen to a clip right now. There is a song. It is the greatest art song in the history of art songs that Poulenc wrote called uh, La Dame de Monte Carlo, The Lady of Monte Carlo. It's, like, seven minutes long. It's all about this woman who goes to Monte Carlo, and she's like, lives in this, like, sort of gauche debauched society and it's all about her finally losing like all her money and then she like jumps off the bridge into the river and kills herself. It is awesome. Let's listen to part of it right now because it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Super, It is a great song.
0: Super gauche. Uh, super gauche. What? Gauche.
1: gosh, <laughs> gauche. gauche is not the right word. Whatever I love
0: the... No, about. I think it works. I just love the inclusion mm-hmm. of that word. It's a fun
1: word. Gauche. All right. Anyway, okay. so it's a great song. Poulenc obviously had a thing for Monte Carlo, but yes. go on. Okay, so when the opera
2: opens, the theater director, who's a baritone, comes out and addresses the audience, and he basically says to the audience... You all need to make children like you've never made them
1: before.
0: Nice.
1: Okay. So right away, you're like, okay. Is is this a reflection on the fact that the war just happened and a lot of people died? There
2: was a kind of, like, underlying theme that France was trying to, like, push people to have lots of kids at this time. Okay. Nice. And so that opens things up. And then when the first scene opens, we meet the soprano, Teresa, Mm -hmm. who declares... That she – this is from the get-go. She's like, I am sick and tired of being a woman. I think it's ridiculous. I would like to be a soldier or maybe a president or or some kind of male something. So she decides that she's no longer going to be a woman. She's going to be a man. Hmm. And then she sings this aria where she basically, like, transforms herself into a man and, like, it's very symbolic, but essentially she has two balloons that are her boobs, and she like opens her coat, and the balloons fly up and it's like you know the releasing of her boobs is her like letting go of her femininity and becoming a man.
1: Let's listen to that, yes, that is the
2: best or the most well known aria in this but first before we get before we listen okay. she so she does a lot of things to transform herself um she starts growing a beard um Dang. and she starts growing a mustache and her husband at one point enters during this whole transformation and he literally says to her, woman, go get me my bacon. Ah. Uh. And, <laughs> right. I've I, I looked at the libretto and then she's like, go stew pig's feet yourself or something mm-hmm. like that. And so then she has this aria where she transforms herself into a man and the balloons fly up and that's like, and, the completion of her metamorphosis and what voice type so, are we talking she's a soprano okay
0: I figured as much
2: yeah all right so here it is her transformation aria <laughs>
4: I'm a soldier, and I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm a I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm I'm a soldier. a soldier. I'm a I'm a soldier.
3: i war a
4: soldier. I'm I'm a soldier.
1: It's kind of like that um, Virginia Woolf novel, Orlando. I don't know. I'm
0: Orlando. I
1: don't know. Oh. Orlando, I love you. See you, world, and Disney and Pudpad. Naomi. Golfing.
0: Naomi, do you know what that's from? No. Oh, Book of Mormon. Oh.
1: Book of Mormon. I do not know this. When they're trying to decide where they're going to go on their mission, the main character is like, I want to go to my favorite place in the world, and then the string surge, and he's like, oh, Orlando, I feel like I he even you. says, "Like I want
0: to go to the best place in the world, not even my the favorite. The best place like, in the world. The best, the best place. place
1: in the world. And mm-hmm. it's when everybody
0: else is like, I want to go to France. I want to go to-
1: Everyone's like, Norway and all that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Orlando. I just like singing it.
0: Yes, yes. And instead sorry, they go I'm where? So, they go I'm where sorry. in Africa? Uganda. Uganda. Right. Hey. They go to Uganda. Asadiga why?
2: Okay. okay. <laughs> Naomi? Back to the opera. <laughs> <laughs> back to the opera. So once she's completed this transformation, her husband comes back in and he's like, who are you and why are you wearing my wife's clothes? You must be an assassin that killed her and put on her clothes. That's his conclusion. Right, that makes sense. <laughs> of Go course, on. Of course. And, and she's husband's like... an <laughs> idiot. Yeah, and she's like, no, no, no. I am still Teresa, but I am now a man. And so she changes her name from Teresa to Teresias. Mm-hmm.
3: Nice.
1: And
2: then she starts to, you know, prepare herself to move out. And um, then somehow two friends of theirs... Like, come over and they're in an argument and the two friends kill each other in this argument. So it's yeah. kind of like a side uh, drama. A lot
0: of action in this and opera. And then,
2: yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of, like, shifting back and forth. Um, and then a policeman arrives because he, like, hears gunshots or senses that there's a crime. And then he basically, the husband declares that that now that all the women in Zanzibar are trying to like claim rights that the men are going to have to make the babies and so the husband makes this big claim and then the husband claims that he knows how to do this and the policeman's like what? (laughs) and then the policeman says or the husband's like
1: I'll show you don't worry and that's how the act
4: ends
1: (laughs) oh scandal go on I think there's a lot of illicit things happening act two okay yes
2: when Act Two opens, Lending. apparently there's a lot of references to Stravinsky and Ravel, and then what do you mean? Like just musically in the oh, in the score, oh, okay. a lot of like,
1: they're running around. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no, Stravinsky. Stravinsky. Ravel. No, no, no. <laughs> and then by this time the husband has produced 40,049 children in the span of one day. How has he done that? It's not really explained. Okay, he like hatched a bunch of eggs like a turtle? Kind of, like (laughs) apparently there's a whole like sound collage with all kinds of weird sounds that are supposedly him, like all his tricks and fancy like mysterious ways of producing (laughs) this vast amount of children. This is weird. What does he do with all those
0: children?
1: He's Good populate- question. He's
2: repopulating the world, man. He puts them to work <gasps> so that he doesn't have to work.
4: Nice. Oh.
2: So they make money for him. Oh. Um. And so, like, a journalist comes to interview what, like, him doing, about like, all of doing... these children that he's producing. What are they doing? Um. Well, they're doing things like writing novels. <laughs> you know, as like...
0: little infant babies, or they grow up quickly.
1: Because when he said, "like he puts them to work," quick. my immediate. <laughs> My like Oliver Twist is Oliver, <laughs> so like Fagin and the Artful Dodger. He's like, pick a little. no, I'm singing the wrong musical. Large
2: ball. amounts don't grow on trees. You've got to pick a pocket or two. Oh, when geez. I see mm-hmm. someone rich, mm-hmm. both my thumbs mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. to twitch. Vanity's fine, subscribe mm-hmm. to mine. You've got to mm-hmm. Pick, mm-hmm. pick a pocket mm-hmm. or two. Charity's mm-hmm. Oh my
4: oh,
2: gosh! So
3: you've got, got to a pocket
4: mm-hmm.
0: Look at you guys. We're taking it on the road.
1: I was about to sing Pick a Little Taco, but that's from the music fan. (laughs) Wrong show. (laughs) Okay.
2: So we have all these children and, or the husband does. The journalist is really impressed with not only this guy's ability to basically manufacture children out of thin air, but also put them to work in a somewhat lucrative way. So (laughs) he's (laughs) like, buddy, can I have a loan? And then um, the husband ends up. It says here in my synopsis that I'm looking at, the husband pours ink and glue into one of the cradles that are filling the stage and adds a pair of scissors, and then poof, a son is born, and he is born a fully-fledged journalist. So obviously there's a lot of, like, absurdity to Uh all of this. Um, So there are babies running around fucking everywhere. But then the the husband's like, I have over 40,000 children, and I can't feed them. I need ration cards. So he goes to get ration cards Uh to feed his children. And even though they're being lucrative, he can't feed them. I'm not really sure. Well,
1: are all end. of them being lucrative? <laughs> I don't know. 40,000, I mean. <laughs> Percentage-wise, do we know? He goes to get the ration cards. Percentage-wise, <laughs> are they all being productive members
2: of society? Probably we don't know. Not. Probably not. So he goes to get the ration cards, and who do you think the person is handing out the ration cards? His wife His wife, wife? His wife who's now a, a man. Dude with yes, a dude. Yes, Teresa. Yes. And so... um. She, she's disguised, but she's the person that's handing them out. And then she's actually arrested by the policeman. um, And to kind of escape being arrested, she strangles the policeman. And then she reveals herself to her husband. Oh, yeah. Does he die? I'm pretty sure he dies. Um, Oh, no, sorry. He doesn't die completely because then he magically revives. (laughs) Right, right. And then she decides, she, he, he, Thereseus decides that He no longer wants to be man. He wants to be restored to his femininity. Why? I'm not sure, but she basically gets her husband to
1: fetch the balloons, (laughs) and they just her like tits are just like hanging out. I guess
0: so. Hey, Um, get me those balloons back.
1: Get me my boobs. And her husband's like, "Uh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do that. Okay, all right
2: yeah yeah essentially yeah, yeah. the husband's like alright I'm gonna try and do this and there's all this like lyrical music and they're apparently just like floating around in the night sky and so he goes to get them and then the whole opera ends with this kind of like rambunctious ending with him trying to
1: get her boobs back
0: that just sounds silly but does
1: it end with like him actually fetching her breasts or he's just like trying to get them I'm not 100% sure Shall we let's listen to something else from this opera.
0: It sounds like a right. fun, just whimsical opera. It sounds like something that would be entertaining to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's also other things in this. Oh, I can read you what they're singing at the very end. Yes, please. Um Heed, O oh Frenchmen, the lessons of war, and make babies, you who hardly ever make them. Dear audience, make babies. <laughs> That's how it all ends. So, the hmm. whole thing's like this absurd cry to make babies. Hey, everybody. But there's a go lot make of some weird babies. stuff in it. Like, there's a fortune teller, there's a tarot card reader, um, there's all kinds of other just like really weird things in this opera. Nice. Hmm. Um, how many acts is it? It is two acts. Two acts. Yeah. Uh, two absurd, fun filled acts. Sounds like fun. Um,
1: I just have Oliver stuck in my head. When we, I know.
0: Do we know, like, so it was performed in the 40s? Did it ever get performances after that? Or is it performed now?
1: I feel like schools do it a lot. Oh, really? Because there are like a lot of roles. Hmm.
2: There are a lot of roles. like, And there's quite a, a variety because you have, like, the baritone is the theater director. Teresias, Teresias, who is the soprano. Um, her husband is sometimes sung by a tenor, sometimes sung by a baritone. So it must lie in, like, a... A baritone range. a baritone range. Um, There is two more baritones, three more tenors, another soprano, a mezzo-soprano, and a bass, all that are, like, named, even though they don't have large roles. So, you know, it's like an ensemble cast. Nice. So, and the whole thing is kind of, like, framed around this idea that people at the time were, like, very fearful of women who were, like, you know, asserting themselves in very feminist ways. Mm. They were afraid that women were going to, like, want to give up sex and never bear children again. Right. <laughs> women <So>. with agency. <laughs> right. Right. And but, so. But, but
0: but what about the sex?
3: So it's what? like,
2: maybe. <laughs> so maybe we men have to figure out a way to have babies ourselves. Right. So, yes. It's very strange. Nice. Yeah. Check it out. What
1: should we listen to?
2: Well, why don't we listen to the finale of this, since apparently it comes to a rather, like, rambunctious ending. Okay. Um, and maybe we'll hear a little flecks of Ravel, Stravinsky. And Stravinsky. Apparently, like, a lot of people are quoted in this in a very satirical way. So there's, like, allusions to Offenbach, to Massenet, mm-hmm. to Wagner, to just, you know, the whole thing is kind of, like, musical parody in a lot of ways. And so... Some people categorize it as an operetta because it has all of these popular music references, but Poulenc himself took objection to that. He felt it was an opera. Mm-hmm. So here Let's we go. That. The ending of Les Mamelles de Tirésias.
4: Cher oh. public, oh.
2: faites des enfants.
4: Fou qui ne faisis guère, fou qui ne faisis plus. Cher public, faites des enfants. Fou qui ne faisis guère, fou qui ne faisis plus. Fou qui ne faisis plus.
2: Thus Thus
0: endeth endeth. some boobs
2: Francis Poulenc's opera surrealist Mm, opera
0: not quite as promiscuous as one would hope when they hear about an opera about boobs but actually there's plenty of boobs in opera let's be honest
2: yeah. It's true, but I just think it's funny, like, the way that this, especially that main aria where she goes through this transformation is staged. It's like she has a coat where, like, literally helium balloons have to come out <laughs> and then, like, float up. So right. What if she <laughs> accidentally nice.
0: popped her balloons midway through? Oh. It'd be rough. I bet
2: that happened a couple of times. It'd be really difficult for the husband to retrieve them again. It's
1: <laughs> true. It's
3: all a metaphor. That's all true. a metaphor.
2: Yes. Metaphor. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I don't think he ever actually retrieves them. Oh, it ends with him like trying. I think to get he's her trying boost. to, and yeah. they're just like floating away.
0: Once again, so metaphor.
2: Yeah, metaphor. Well,
1: that is all we've got for this opera. But thank you for listening. Yes, thank you, guys, and as always, you know, Facebook, Twitter, the huge,
0: the huge,
1: like us, like mm-hmm. us, nay, love us, love us. I need the affirmation, so please, please give it to me. Uh, don't
3: we all? Don't we all?
1: <laughs> and on, on with that. Yeah, on
0: that note, I'm Kyle.
2: I'm Naomi. I'm Elspeth. You're wonderful, Elspeth. <gasps> I'm wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: speaking of bear tenor out beyond the valley of trees out
4: where there's a hillside of heather curtsy gently in the breeze that's what i'd like to do see the